Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Word in Your Ear is supported by Packed Coffee who just posted some of their energising and flavoursome wares to our home addresses, which has been a very happy experience all round. There's a lot of reasons why this seems a great arrangement. They deliver in packages small enough to just tumble through your letterbox if you don't happen to be in, and the beans are ground just before they're dispatched. And they make a point of paying the farmers and growers fairly, and even have the name of the farmer on each packet so you can trace your coffee all the way back to the place it was grown. There's 15 different types to choose from. Enter the whole new, almost psychedelic universe of bourbon cream or fruit nut espresso. One of the ones we got uh, sent had hints of chocolate malt milkshake, for goodness sake, and made us seem achingly fashionable. Anyway, if you fancy taking advantage of this packed coffee deal, and you'd frankly be foolish not to, go to packedcoffee.com. That's packedcoffee.com, where you can get 50% off your first and third order. As we said, 15 different flavours, and it's delivered direct to your door. That address again and all the info at packedcoffee.com. And don't forget to enter the code your ear. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So, Alex, it's just you and me. Mark Allen's gone. He's left us, hasn't he? He's, uh, he's gone off. He's gone to a wedding, you know, so he's a devil at weddings, you know. So he'll, he'll, be, leading <laughs> the da- he'll be leading the dancing, as you can imagine, you know. It's a Yorkshire wedding, isn't it? It's a Yorkshire wedding, yes. And I had it took me a lot of work to to get Mark to be specific in where in Yorkshire because I think he thinks it's (laughs) just it's one simple place. You know what I mean? You know that's that's what coming from Hampshire. That's that's how he looks at the rest of the UK. Uh, But yes, it's it's a country wedding in Yorkshire, and uh, so I'm sure he'll be having great fun. So it's you and me. And where are you, Alex? You're still on the on the briny. Whereabouts are you? I'm still 
on the briny. I don't know exactly where I am. I'm somewhere between Ketchikan in Alaska and Victoria in Canada. So there's um, there's a maritime law which states that any ship um, going from continental USA, which is the main mm-hmm. bulk mm-hmm. of the land, uh, to Alaska, has to stop in one Canadian port. <clears throat> it's ah. called the Johnson Act or something like that. Um, and so um, they're doing a sort of token stop where they where they park for about three hours in Victoria on a Friday night. Um, and uh, that's us tonight. So, so uh, is, this your per- is this your first time in Canada ever? It is, I've, pa- I've passed through Toronto Airport once, which doesn't really count, I suppose. doesn't really count at all, actually. Um, but it, it will be. It will be my first time on Canadian soil. I haven't got off in Victoria so far on this stint, mainly because I had a very stressful Paul McCartney to deal with. And I just wanted to hide away. But this week I'm going to get off and I'm going to enjoy um, the pretentious Canadian local craft beer. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Do you know what is the main difference between the American accent and the Canadian accent? It's Do oot, you, isn't it? It's oot. oot. I'm going oot. 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 Um, uh, yes, we're going oot. It's a boot and all that kind of thing. Yeah, all right. So you, it, you're across Doesn't that. Nova Scotia uh, mean oh. New Scotland in, in Latin? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, of course it does. Yes, of course it does, Alex. So that's what join the dots with the oot. <laughs> you know, it all starts to make a bit more sense. Yeah, there's quite a bit of history in all those names. Oh, well, anyway, I'm sure you'll have, you'll have fun. There's... Um, we 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 always tend to, to end up on these on those podcasts covering a certain amount of deaths. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And uh, a couple of them quite significant this week. Vangelis, Vangelis, the the synth meister, and so forth. Were you were you aware of Vangelis? You know much about Vangelis? You ever ever have a Vangelis record, for instance? Uh, I've I've noted the name. For sure. I always thought I had a soft G, which shows how much I know. Um, But I know that he scored Blade Runner. Uh, He he wrote Chariots of Fire, didn't he? He did. He did. Well, also, it's quite interesting because he goes back, obviously, to the Greek group. Greece's Beatles. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, putting it too too far to say that were a group called Aphrodite's Child. And he was one I've of the prime. Of he was one of the prime movers in Aphrodite's Child, and the other one was Demis Roussos. And so, you know, out of that group came two very, very, very big names. You know, big worldwide names. They had a they had a, a, a record. I think it was probably it might even have been a hit in the UK called Rain and Tears. I think Ryan saying in the late sixties. Anyway, they got out of Greece because uh, Greece was getting fairly unpleasant because there was a military takeover uh, and popular music was rather frowned on and uh, settled in Europe. And he ended up, uh, you know, his, his, I suppose the biggest claim to fame was he did the music for Chariots of Fire. And they, Chariots of Fire, a 1981 film. I, I, I don't get the feeling, nobody ever talks about having watched Chariots of Fire in the last 30 years, but everybody <laughs> knows the tune. You know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's the t- it really has. You know, everybody hears that tune and they instantly can, you know, can launch into some kind of joke running motion, can't they? You know, slow yeah. motion running. It's That's so just what evocative. Yeah, it just is. Uh, and it's evocative of a film that nobody watches. And that's, that's a strange thing. 
I was at a film scoring session the other day, Alex. I was very fortunate to be there. And I have to tell you, when you're sitting in a film scoring session and you're watching the action that they're they're setting the music to, which certainly in this case and probably in a lot of cases, you're watching (laughs) incomplete because they're still making it, you know what I mean? And there's the, the all the digital jiggery-pokery has yet to be completed, but there has to be yeah, some yeah. basic version for the film music to be set to, you know, to be performed to. The thing that strikes you, or struck me, and it must surely tr- strike loads of people when they're sitting in their scoring sessions, is the films look ludicrous. But the music sounds fantastic. You know what I mean? Because what you're hearing with the music is the finished music, the completed music. You know, I was hearing it play play by a a pretty big orchestra, you know, so it's a really impressive sound. Whereas the film is still sort of, oh, you know, bear with me. This is a bit of a placeholder. This will all make sense eventually. You know what I mean? Well, actually, you know, I I was privy to a conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, a composer called Joby Talbot. And um, he was talking about composing for ballets and the way that's all um, structured and how it works. And it's, it's not some, something you'll ever think about not knowing how, how it works, you know, until you're told. But when he's composing for a ballet, he's composing for a choreograph that's not been invented yet. So, and the and the composition itself moves according to the little bits of dance that then the choreographer will put in, but he has to imagine what the dance may or may not be like and just do something that's kind of evocative of what he thinks it might be. And then it's it, it's it's a completely kind of um fluid and moving piece of music that that um that changes its whole nature over the course of the whole production being finished which is astonishing because when you think about writing a song you know you sit down you write the thing it's finished it's done yesterday didn't exist then it did right yeah, yeah. um but writing for a ballet is is, is it's constantly coming back isn't it you know what i mean the, yeah. the, the process of doing it is incredibly incredibly uh, time-consuming because it's the interesting thing in yes for about five minutes as well yeah i think he was well he, he subsequently made records with john anderson you know i think he was going to be in yes i'm not sure about this he was certainly yeah he was he was on the sidelines at one point but he made these records with uh with john anderson uh which were very successful i got one of them in front of me now uh was it the friends of mr cairo uh, which has got Really interesting song on there, which they wrote called State of Independence, which then was a very big hit for, wait for it, Donna Summer. <laughs> you would no. never, yeah, it was, it was a very big hit. You know, they must have done very wow. well, must have done very well out of it. So, yeah, that, and, and then obviously after, after um, Chariots of Fire, he did the music for Blade Runner, which I was watching this morning. And that's interesting because also with Blade Runner, he claimed he just, he, he pretty much improv- improvised it. He, he just sat there at a the keyboard wow. and, um, and did it. But, but Blade Runner is um, obviously part of the attraction of having that kind of music with Blade Runner was they wanted something that was set in the future. And when is Blade Runner set, Alex? When in the future is it set? I'll tell you, Alex. 
2019. Oh, that hurts. Three years wow. ago. Yeah. It's like Back to the Future, isn't it? Back to, the, Back to the Future's future is now very much in the past. Yeah, I'm sure it and, is. Uh... I'm sure it is. <laughs> so that's Vangelis. And the other person who's, who's that I only discovered about this morning in the New York Times is Bob, Bob Newworth. Um, people may not know unless they're a big Bob Dylan fan. And he was um, spelled N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H. And he was a, con- a contemporary and a mate and a collaborator and a facilitator of Bob Dylan's in a really interesting way. <laughs> they first met in 1961 at a folk festival when he said that Bob Dylan was the only other guy wearing a harmonica holder around his neck. You can imagine. Can you imagine? this? 1961 folk festival somewhere in Massachusetts or whatever. And so there's usual kind of uh, traditional folkies with fingers in their ears and the, you know, the dance troupe from the Hebrides over there and there's you know, an Eastern European ladies, you know, women's choir or whatever. And then into this just, chuck a couple of 21-year-old guys, both wearing head-to-toe denims, both trying to look kind of interesting and misunderstood, and both sporting a guitar and holding a harmonica holder around the... You know, around One the... of us is going to have to change. Well, this is, the, this is quite <laughs> clearly what happened. And, and so they, they kind of bond. And what's more, they're both called Bob, you know. Interesting. And, and, and what clearly happened is that Bob Dylan utterly kind of transcended Bob Newworth, you know, and people who knew the two of them, you know, and they worked together over the years and, you know, Bob Newworth came back and put together the band for the Rolling Thunder Review in, in the mid-70s and Bob Newworth, I think if you look at the, um, I think I'm right in saying this, if you look at the clip of, um, of Bob Dylan doing Subterranean Homesick Blues, holding up the famous cards and throwing them down, to, uh, you know, oh, yeah, outside, yeah. outside the Savoy, Standing to one side is Bob Newworth, who was his kind of mate, who just happened to be on on that tour. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to drink a water. You know, he's on, he's on Don't Look Back and so forth. He was the mate, but he was also, you know, Bob Dylan, you know, like so many people of his ilk, is just a sponge. You know, Bob Dylan, you put Bob Dylan near anything at any stage in his life, He'll listen to it, watch it, and he can just absorb it really, really yeah. quickly and really convincingly. Well, imagine, Alex, that he didn't just, just do that with music. He didn't just do that with clothes. He didn't just do that with hairstyles. He did it with people. And Bob Newworth, no, you think about, about you know, he just adopted Bob Newworth. He made himself Bob Newworth. And you, you wow. talk to people who knew the two of them. They say, oh, all the kind of smart-ass hipster behavior at press conferences, that all came from Bob Newworth. But Bob Newworth, the difference was, didn't have the nerve to do that. Bob Dylan had the nerve to do that. You know what I mean? And so he kind of... He just absorbed Bob Newworth. And so Bob Newworth was was fated to kind of spend the rest of his life, you know, just utterly in the shadows. And this guy he'd met in a field in 1961. And I think there must be loads of people like that. 
you know, there must be, if you take, you know, really well-known performers, really kind of just really vivid performers, there must be loads of people who were their mates who were kind of like them but didn't have the nerve to go as far as they did. You know what I mean? Oh, because that, that, that's a book in waiting, isn't it? Surely. <laughs> well, I suppose it is. Yes. You know, because as I, I sorry, I've, 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 I've banged on about this for, for years now. I'll bang on about it once more. Bob Dylan's greatest creation was Bob Dylan. And he just deciding to be that person. It's like Jack Nicholson's greatest creation was Jack Nicholson. Marlon Brando's yeah, yeah. greatest creation was Marlon Brando. Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe. They became that person. That wasn't everything they were, but they just found a way of distilling themselves into a person that everybody wanted to be. And, uh, and Dylan that, did that. And all I'm saying is a certain amount of it came from Bob Newworth. And, uh, you know, so... And amazingly, Bob Dylan has outlived Bob Newworth, you know, who's uh, sadly passed away this week in his in his early eighties. The Word Podcast: Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. I want to get this off my chest. Um, do you remember when you were at college or in the sixth form, you used to be given a list of set books? Do you remember that set yeah, books? Yeah. And what what set books always seem to have one thing in common? which is nobody really wanted to read them. You know what I mean? They sounded like the sort of things you ought to have read, but you didn't really want to read them. They weren't, you always think, there must be something more exciting I can do with my time rather than read the set book. Okay, so that's the set book. The set book idea. Album reviews nowadays, you know, the music papers have gone, you know, so, so nobody kind of does that kind of thing. But the only people who really review albums are the heavy papers, yeah? And particularly the American heavy papers. I'm talking about the New York Times and the Washington Post and the magazines like the New Yorker and so forth. They, they review popular music. But they review it in a way that makes that reminds me of lists of set books that I might have been given in the city. <laughs> And I'm going to give you examples of this because the way they review them is they review them as kind of serious contributions to modern thought rather than the way, the way most of us would Something respond you might to music. Quite enjoy listening to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And here we go. These are just a few that I've plucked recently. From American newspapers. Okay, from the New York New York Times. Here we go. Okay, go on. Sam Smith's Ode to Self-Acceptance. Sam Smith's Ode to Self-Acceptance. Do you read that thing? Oh, gosh, that sounds like fun. I must go and give that a listen. Oh, did, did I you? Listen to, go on. I read that. I, I, I immediately think, God, that sounds stressful. <laughs> there you, go. you know what I mean? You, 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 you might feel a little bit, a little bit, kind of a little bit flustered listening to it. Okay, it's get it gets worse. Here with the next one, also from the New York Times, Billie Eilish's portrait of power abuse. Portrait of power abuse. Nobody ever said that about an album by Lulu or Kate Bush, did they? Whatever. A portrait of power what, abuse. 
very much doubt that Billie Eilish had that at the forefront of her mind when she was writing her latest banger for the kids. Here we go. Next one. Kehlani's Songs of Self-Improvement. Can you imagine that? Yeah, can you imagine a 15-year-old rattling along to the, the record store thinking, I must get his new song of self-improvement. No, you can't. Here we go, the next one. Luxury and mockery on Pusha T's It's Almost Dry. Luxury and mockery on Pusha T's It's Almost Dry. Doesn't sound like fun, well, sounds does like, that? Sounds like a right laugh, doesn't it? Here oh. we go. Here's the next one. On his new album, Kendrick Lamar explores therapy, grief, and masculinity. Therapy, grief, and masculinity. Oh, my God. The sun's just gone in, hasn't it, Alex? (laughs) Small children children have stopped laughing. Birds have stopped singing. Birds have stopped tweeting. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Everything. You know, a, a dog was chasing a string of sausages down the down the road <laughs> off the back of a butcher's bike that he's just given up. So there's no no point. There's the no dog's point. just turned vegetarian. He's given up. Kendrick Lamar's got a new one about therapy, grief, and masculinity. Okay, next one. Two more to go. Olivia Rodrigo's <laughs> confessional music is catharsis for a brutal time. Catharsis for a brutal time. It's a pop wow. record for crying out loud. Catharsis. Yeah, it's Olivia Rodrigo, a pop song. She writes a great tune. <laughs> What's God's sake? God. And finally, does, does, anybody actually go, does anybody go into a record shop? Excuse me, sir. Have you, have you, have you got anything that's um, cathartic in stock? Actually, I think you're all fine. <laughs> uh, they've probably got a new set. Well, they don't have record shops anymore, Alex. <laughs> they would tell you news. Um, but if they did, they'd have a catharsis. Have a look. Yeah, you want to try under self-empowerment. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, and finally, Emma G, a singer-songwriter who specializes in empowerment. Oh my god. What has wow. happened to popular music? 
Pull yourselves together. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. And we're joined for the next section of the podcast by a friend of the pod and a professional musician. Let's not beat around the bush. Owen Parker. Hello, Owen. Hello, David. Hello. And I asked Owen along because Owen said occasionally out of the blue, he just sends me an email. Something's <laughs> happened to him. Something has happened in his musical life. And this week he sent me such an email, which I thought would be interesting to go into. And uh, tell us, why don't you share with everybody, Owen, the subject of the email? Go on. I, I think the subject was everything in its right place. In its right place. Right, go on. Uh, it's my ongoing love affair with Radiohead um, and how I had last Friday, I'll look to see what the new releases are. I'm generally disappointed with new releases and but this time there's a side project from radiohead called the smile awful i mean there's millions of side projects from radiohead aren't they a bewildering variety of but i'd always been wary that atoms for peace anything involving a red hot chili pepper i'm no i won't just personally um tom york solo records i've listened to once i think i enjoyed them never went back um and I'd seen some clips of the three of them. It's Tom and Johnny and a different drummer. It's not Phil Selway. It's Tom Skinner. Is it from a band called Checks His Notes? Uh, a jazz Afrobeat, according to Wikipedia, band called Son of Kennet or Sons of Kennet. Oh, yes, of course. I've heard of them. Yeah, Tom's sons. I hate to sound like I, I'm just looking at the wrong bit here. Anyway, um, I'd seen some clips of the three of them rehearsing. And it had been, oh, oh, right, okay, I'm quite into that. And I went on the mailing list because I think I thought I might want to go and see him at the Roundhouse and I had to be on the mailing list. I then didn't bother with getting tickets or I missed it or I was at work or something happened. Um, and so I, I parked it. Then I saw it had come out and I listened to it and it was astonishing. It was so, so astonishing. It was up there with my favourite Radiohead album, which is In Rainbows. 2007 the one they just released and said pay what you like um and it's nigel godrich long time producer, producer from 25 years ago today okay computer because six music's been playing yeah, yeah. uh 1997 songs all day um and it <laughs> hit such peaks that i just thought has there ever been a side project which eclipses or at least gets on a par with its main uh, outlet that's still going like i think in beatles terms we had two virgins and wonderwall music <laughs> we didn't yeah. uh, any macca stuff didn't happen till all klein nonsense and they'd split up or they yeah 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 whatever um uh, uh what was it repeat offender or main effect with uh, keith richards well I, I don't know oh well quite yes <laughs> there was one good track on there hasty when you leave i think i quite liked but th- this it made me worry for the other three drummer phil yes. ed o'brien and bass player colin who's johnny's brother because it sounded like radiohead because it's really good i have listened to this i'm no expert i'm not yeah. on this at all but i i gave it a listen after your email and i thought this is really striking it's really good i i, I don't i i'm not sure if we've mentioned that. this is the smile isn't it my awful name I'd say it's it's the worst name what queen used to be called yeah <laughs> it's yeah just, it's absolutely a terrible name 
terrible. And it's like, if you're trying to pick a name that you thought wouldn't appeal to Radiohead fans at all, the smile is it, isn't well, it? I've always thought that the, the whole fact, the, old, the trope of Radiohead being miserable is a bit of a, I, I, I don't know. I, when I got OK Computer, I immediately went on a cheap Greek holiday age 22, 23. And OK Computer is the island of Cos for me in 80 degree heat. Um, and I find it beautiful and uplifting. I can understand that if, you know, you're in Billingham yes. in November, <laughs> it, uh, it reaches for the most depressing part <laughs> UK you've ever been to. Um, but, it, yeah, and it's so beautiful. Another good thing about Tom York, you can't understand his lyrics, because I have read reviews to say it's all about the end of the world coming. <laughs> and we're yeah, all you're, you're, bound to, you're bound to get that. Is, which it yeah. always is. Um, but the other strand of it was that I um, have recently, <laughs> I, I've I've bought good speakers for the first yes, time. Yes, I want to know about this, you see. Yes. Now, you said, I think in your email, that you'd been listening to The Smile repeatedly. Yeah. I think you said, in the kitchen. Yes. Now, it struck me, this is an interesting point, and this yeah. is the very kind of thing that we like to talk about this podcast, because I think my theory is that most music nowadays is listened to in the kitchen. Okay. And it never used to be. Right. It's because, out, go on. It's out of necessity. It's the biggest room in the house as an extension. It was the selling point when we came in. And went, oh, my God. That's like the rest of the house is sort of very modest and average. But there's this extension the previous people had done to the kitchen I can't get in the living room anyway for Fortnite and Xboxes and uh, um, YouTubers uh, or shouting, playing Minecraft and stuff. Um, and so these speakers are in the kitchen and they are, it, they're extraordinary. I have, um, my brother-in-law, Ben, ha, uh, it, it has special needs. He's autistic. One of his massive <laughs> autism traits is Larry Carlton, the guitarist. He oh, makes yeah, yeah, up yeah. 70% of Ben's autism. And his deep love of Steely Dan. So the thing is, Ben has all Larry Carlton albums on vinyl and maybe two or three times on vinyl, on CD because he'll have to get all remasters. And then when the buggers bring them out 10 years later, he'll have to get all, all of them again. And and But Ben, with his demeanour, is not shy at coming forward. He will speak his mind. And for the last however many years, he's always come up to me at family gatherings here and gone, oh, and your speakers are rubbish. And I've got, uh, go away, Ben. I don't care. I mean, I had these 150 quid Richard Sounds things. And I had this idea of, ah, do you know, I think they sound great. I work in studios all week round. I deal with audio. And I just think, you know, maybe you don't need to, you know. Also, I did speak to a very good friend, very successful, loads of Grammys engineer. And he said, mate, don't go the audiophile route. It's, it, uh, it's, a, it's a deep, deep, dark hole once you start dipping your toe in it and that's why i kept with my 150 quid richer sound speaker you see well you see i think you are like most people nowadays yeah, yeah. you know because yeah, yeah, the pursuit of kind of hi-fi perfection feels to me like it was the 70s and the 80s yeah and then it kind of went away and mp3 and everything and convenience trumped quality it seemed yeah. to me for years and years and years yeah, now are we coming out of that out of that stage into something new because i want to ask you about your speakers and now you don't have to name the brand you can do if you want i don't care how much did you pay how much i got them half price 
through uh, um, credits and stuff, actually through a friend who plays in a version of The Animals with John Steele, the original drummer. Oh, run, run, run. And he's an audiophile, but he's from Burnley, and they're quite stuck in the 60s and 70s in Burnley. Everything's He's in my phone as Valve, basically, Danny. <laughs> and a, a jam night in Burnley is, uh, a, you know, old, you know, proper Wurlitzers, proper Leslies and Hammonds and stuff. They don't use, you know, Nords and <clears throat> the new sort of stuff. Everything is old and vintage. I phoned him to say... I think I might need to actually finally get some speakers. I think I'm going to go for it. And he said, I was on tour. I was in Denmark or somewhere in Scandinavia. And, I, and he's got, I've got a friend and he's a proper audio file. And he played me these Kef, new Kef speakers, which are Wi-Fi. And they blew my mind. He said, I know so I can get you a deal. So I broke the bank to get them. And it had sort of, and they set them up. And I had this moment of, What's the first song I'm going to play? Oh, you're gone. I, I what is it? it? I blew it. A, a woman in Chains, Tis Fierce. Um, <laughs> but I love that album, and I'd listened to it a lot in, in, in lockdown. And on my 150 quid richer sound speakers, that album is amazing. It's not great on the Kefs. But then I did discover it's now a pursuit of what sounds brilliant on the Kefs. And now me and my wife, I put both sides now from the orchestral 2000 reworking uh, Joni Mitchell, and All we right. stood still and wept in the kitchen. Really? The double bass comes in, and you've never heard double bass boom it, with definition like that. Don't give up, Peter Gabriel. All the kind of uh, the, the the ones that you think would be, you know, that sort of thing. There goes rhyming Simon. But then you get into this dark sort of thing of high res lossless versus lossless, and all the Paul Simon stuff is high res lossless. Um, which means it's better than a CD. And then I got all my CDs out of the shed and a friend brought down a, a CD player, which died within a few days. And so I had CDs in the kitchen. My wife didn't like the look of that. And now I'm forever watching CD players on eBay going, I think I might just play CDs because, you know, they're lossless. So it's, it's 24 bit or that sort of thing. Well, I got a new CD player recently because mm. I just thought, you know, because the L one kind of gave up the ghost really. Yeah. And, um, and I'm I'm enjoying the fact that at the moment you can just you can go out and buy CDs for next to nothing. Yeah, but there's things like I've got my copy of uh, American Music Club Mercury and Johnny Mathis's Feet, which is in my top three songs of all time. Johnny Mathis's. Have you heard the song Johnny Mathis's Feet? Oh, I don't great. believe I have. Go I, I lay all my songs at Johnny Mathis's feet. I said, Johnny, Johnny, tell me, tell me how it is to live, and um, and it, it's Mark Heitzel. American oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely glorious. And actually, in the three days that this CD player worked, putting that on was a really nice experience. As I like playing vinyl in my kitchen, and I've built up a vinyl collection in the last five or six years. But I have to say, unless it was made before 1981, all, all vinyl sounds rubbish to me. <laughs> so right, yeah. I will buy OK Computer or I will get it as a Christmas present on remastered vinyl. And frequently, I, I did it with the last Radiohead album, Moonshape Pool. I, put, I had it on vinyl, and then I ended up putting it on vinyl and streaming it from, from Apple, but letting it spin around. So I'm listening to it by streaming, but I still uh, have it spinning Are you around. watching it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because it felt more of a, an immersive... It felt more authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so you have to interact with the, with the item itself, otherwise it's just stuff coming through you know coming through the ether so you still haven't told me how much you pay for your speakers they they retail at, at, at around two thousand i paid one thousand wow 
So there we go. And that's more than I've ever paid for anything frivolous like that. But it's changed my life listening to music. It really well, has. Now, I want to ask you something. I'm going to ask both you and Alex this as musicians. Mm -hmm. These are these are all terms, you know, because everybody's talking about, you know, the next the next big kind of uh, wave of audio. Will people start being aware of quality and again, you know, like they were many, many years ago? And so, you know, if you travel on the tubes as I've done today, you'll you'll pass loads of posters that are advertising the new Sento is available in in this format. And I want you to tell me what these things mean. And I'm going to go with you, Alex, first. Spatial okay. audio. Spatial audio. Do you know what that means? Spatial audio. Isn't that audio um, that's meant to replicate kind of the feel of being in a room? Yeah, I suppose so. Is, Do you know what 5.1 stereo is? Uh, you need, a, you need a system with quadraphonic type sort of things. Do you that, need something behind you? Yeah, okay. things like Dark Side are probably made for it, but uh, yeah. Do you know what Dolby Atmos is? Um, Similar to I'm, spatial audio, isn't it? Isn't it like <laughs> I've tried listening to some Dolby Atmos on my uh, uh, Apple <coughs> AirPods. I mean, and there's, I think there's a Rush album, which is on there. It, didn't, it didn't sound very good to me, <laughs> sort of thing. Maybe I didn't like the Rush album. I See, I, I just don't think, I, I think the problem is that I think they have a real communications issue with all this stuff. You know, the, the, the only things that ever meant anything to anybody were mono, stereo, and then MP3 because it was easier. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing else other than real hi-fi nuts it ever penetrated with the with general public at all, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether it ever will, you know, because... It is. It's interesting. I think you said that. Uh, did you say your speakers were wireless? Yeah, and I had problems because my Wi-Fi signal wasn't strong enough in the kitchen. It was a it was a dark spot. So uh, I then had to uh, argue with Kef for a while, get a bit funny on Twitter, and go, "I have paid all this money," yeah. and it would. And it was like <laughs> driving with the police in the rearview mirror. Because you're just getting to that bit in Brothers in Arms, which does sound amazing, just that one song, uh, or or Gaucho or something, and it just drops, and you're like, oh god, can't I? You can plug in, but it's just mini jack. That's the vinyl goes in just through mini jack, um, and then the speakers can connect via Ethernet, but they, they, it's not very long the cable, and they wanted an extra hundred quid for me, so I bought one for five quid on Amazon. Sounds exactly the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> But but they do reckon with all with all this next generation of hi-fi that the big breakthrough is is wireless, isn't it? Yeah. Is that you know that because the thing that what's the thing that killed quadraphonic, <laughs> Alex? You're too young to remember. You're both too young to remember. I remember the thing that killed quadraphonic was was the, I'm sorry, the wife of the hi-fi nut saying you're not turning my living room into you know. Wires going absolutely yeah. everywhere, yeah. and quadraphonic never went any further than that. Whereas with this stuff, you don't have wires everywhere. I suppose that's the argument. There's probably quite a few home <clears throat> cinema setups with 5.1 for for movies, because then they will bring out a a, a album, a Nine Inch Nails album or something remixed in 5.1. But I never know if that is yet a, another tax of just getting diehards to then buy it again like my brother-in-law buying every larry carton album <laughs> that's, that's extraordinary so then so the other the other thing i just wanted to touch on briefly about the smile is that you heard it it was streamed 
yes. and you thought it was fantastic. And I listened to it and it was streamed and I thought, oh, it's really good. And I happened to go in a place called the record shop mm. the other day. And I, I looked around and I couldn't see the smile. And I went to the counter Same. and I said, I said, have you, have you got the smile? It's a, it's a, not until the middle of June. Yeah, yeah. They, they're streaming this thing and you can't buy it. Uh, well, the same happened with the, the last Laura Marlin album, but that was because she brought it out at the beginning of lockdown as a sort of, she, she put it ahead, didn't she? And it was a real, it was like March or April 2020. And it was a nice sort of, oh, it's a lovely new album to listen to. I don't know if this is planned or because of the backlog and the fact. Well, that according to the guys in the record shop, it's, it's not uncommon nowadays that that's what they do. Well, Adele took up ninety five percent of the, the 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 bookings or something for her fifty two album or whatever it was. But I oh, you mean in terms of getting things manufactured? Yeah. That that is the other thing. Yeah, that is the other thing. And the and the and the last thing I'm going to say, you 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 said that you wanted to buy a vinyl and it was difficult. You know, it won't come mid, into middle middle of June. And I was told by somebody in a position to know the other day. That vinyl is hanging by a thread uh-huh. because there is only one factory in the world that makes the blanks that they cut masters on. Oh, okay. Only one factory. And is it, I mean, I suppose when there's a revival and a resurgence, it's still very small compared to churning out rumors in 77. It's 0.01% of whatever sort of thing is it in germany that I, it probably is in germany and the other thing is that the the lathes for cutting mm. they they last a long time 40 50 years because they're in temperature controlled rooms and they're well looked after yeah but eventually they go wrong the people who can fix them are dying there's wow. nobody learning how to do that kind of thing wow. it's you know yeah. so that thought will send a chill wind through Brooklyn and Shoreditch. Vinyl is hanging by a thread. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. I went to Holland Park this afternoon, Alex, to check out the venue, which is where our um, special Word in Your Park is taking place on June the 18th to mark the 80th birthday of James Paul McCartney. And we are, can we can now confirm that we, uh, we have five uh, turns, speakers, contributors, guests, and they are Julia Rayside, Danny Baker, Andy Miller, uh, Jeff Lloyd, and we're delighted to announce that Graham Goldman will be joining us. And uh, a man who's written so many great songs himself, uh, as a member of 10CC and as a member of Wax and writing for the likes of Herman's Hermits and the Yardbirds and all kinds of people. So if anybody's in a position to kind of um, to, to talk about Paul McCartney's contribution to songwriting particularly, it's Graham. And if you've heard Graham before, uh, Graham is a very uh, genial guest and uh, and a really good talker. So Danny Baker, Julia Rayside, Andy Miller, Jeff Lloyd and Graham Goldman hosts me and Mark Henry Allen. Uh, the venue is Opera Horn Park in Holland Park. Uh, and I went down there this afternoon and they, they've got the, uh, the covered auditorium all set up. Of course, the beauty of the covered auditorium is should it rain, which, of course, is not going to, Alex, 
But if it rained, you're protected. But it also, because it's open-sided, it lets in the sunshine and the air, and it's a socially distanced setup with individual chairs and so forth, and two licensed bars. A splendid Ooh. time is a guarantee for all. It's an afternoon, and so you've got the rest of the rest of the evening to yourself. You can go home and be looking at the inside of your ledge by 7.30 if that's what you want. Or you can go out and paint the town red if that's to your taste. Whatever it is, make sure you've got your tickets by following the link below. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.